Militarily Speaking, Episode 43, Jeremy Rowe, Senior Vice President, BSO, Enterprise Fraud Officer, Financial Intelligence Unit with both Academy Bank and Armed Forces Bank, one of our very own, Jody. Yes, we're thankful that he's here. This episode, we talk with Jeremy Rowe. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean and Jody Vickery. I'm the Regional Military Executive for Armed Forces Bank, and Jody is the Executive Vice President, Director of Military Consumer Lending. And Jeremy, is that the way you think of Jody Vickery? I mean, she's she does <laughs> so much for this already. company, right? We're right. off script. She's, she's, not just the, she's just not the Director of Military Consumer Lending. <laughs> so much for I am the keep, I am the watcher of Tom. <laughs> yes, I am not responsible for you. Again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have our audience listening and learning with our guest Jeremy with both Armed Forces and Academy Bank about all things related to fraud, identity theft. I think our audience is going to walk away with some helpful helpful information this afternoon. And before we get started though, Jeremy, I do want to tell our audience a little bit about you. Tom and I know you of course, but they don't. So here we go. Jeremy has been with Academy and Armed Forces Bank for 10 years serving as the Enterprise Fraud and Bank Security Officer. Prior to Armed Forces Bank and Academy Bank, he worked at another financial institution, which we won't speak of, but as part (laughs) of the corporate investigations team. He held several leadership roles within that financial intelligence unit during that time. He began his career in loss prevention, asset protection, and investigations in 2002. So fair to say, Jeremy's been doing this for a minute or two. His team, the Financial Intelligence Unit here, exists to educate and empower our associates with the knowledge, skills, and equipment necessary to protect themselves, our clients, and our properties from those who seek compromising our assets through various criminal activities, bad actors. I have a, not I have, Jeremy has a Bachelor of Science. I do not have this. You stop <laughs> Let's it. be clear, I stop do not have Bachelor this. Of. Yeah. I have Bachelor of something, but it is not this. Jeremy has a Bachelor of Science and Master's in Criminal Justice Administration, and he's a certified fraud examiner, a certified anti-money laundering specialist, and he previously has served as the president of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. Is, is there an acronym for that? I'm thinking he probably got a really cool windbreaker I, I, that said I, I, FCI. FCI on the back. <laughs> and if not, we're getting him one. He served on an FBI special task force as subject matter expert in the areas of bank fraud and money laundering. And he's also received recognition from the U.S. Army for providing consultation related to cryptocurrencies and terrorist financing. On a personal note, Jeremy's wife, Katie... And I and Jeremy, this is written in the first person. So I did that. On Jeremy's purpose. wife Katie is not my wife. Jeremy's wife Katie and him have three beautiful and active children, ages 13, 16, and 18. Why well, you got three teenagers all at the same More time? Than, God uh, bless you. The empty nester though is right around the corner. It's going to be starting soon. I can support you in that. I'm going through it. Jeremy and his wife enjoy spending time at their family cabin, weekends on the lake, and they are huge Chiefs fans. So we might have to venture off into. We will. Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, all that. When he can get away, you'll find him on the sideline of one of his kiddos' games at the golf course in a duck blind, I'm not sure what that is, or sitting in a tree stand. Both those things sound sound like something I wouldn't do. And I don't even know if I'd know how to do those. It sounds like a terrible Because if I'm going to sit in a tree stand, what do you do in a tree stand? I'd like to see you just get up in a tree stand. (laughs) Deer hunting. Ah, the great outdoors. So it's nothing about the holidays around Christmas. I thought maybe I could be an ornament. That is a Christmas tree stand. (laughs) Well, welcome, Jeremy. It's it's really great to have you on our show. I know you are instrumental in so many things with the bank, helping us protect all the things we just talked about. You help my team out a ton as we're in the lending space. But maybe just start with talking to our audience about just kind of big picture the world that we live in, the things that sort of lurk out there. I think that's a great word, Tom. I know. It's, uh, but it's we live scary. in a, we live in kind yeah. of a world where you gotta know what you don't know. Play defense, and yeah. you're get, everybody's going to get a gotcha. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So maybe yeah. give us a painting of the landscape. Yeah, happy to appreciate the the introduction there. You forgot that I put some of that in there, so forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> but we are a very busy team. Fraud. As it stands, just just in, in the first world here has grown by leaps and bounds, and we are constantly playing a game of catch up. Every time that we think that we've seen it all, someone throws you know a curveball at us, Tom, you know, and we we get a case that 
is unique to us that we really want to dig into and try to learn something from. And of course, we bring that back to our executive management team here at the bank, and we try to change policy and procedure and educate our clients and educate our associates about what to look for. But, you know, just fraud overall, I think later on during this conversation, I'll probably have an opportunity to share with you just some statistics. First one I wanted to share with is is from IC3.gov. Now, IC3.gov is where the FBI keeps and maintains and reports a majority of of related crimes to things like cyber crimes, identity theft. That's that's where people go to report, IC3.gov. And in 2022, their annual report showed that $10.3 billion were lost by victims and consumers just like us and, and our clients last year. And that's a 50% increase from 2021. Oh, wow. And if I had a crystal ball and wanted to talk about numbers in 2023, I imagine it will increase 50 to 75% on top of what we saw this year or last year. So the, the, the trend is, is it's not looking good. That's, that's what I can share with you. So yeah. as far as the FIU, the Financial Intelligence Unit, just a just an average day for us is is a little bit different, right? We that's an oxymoron, Jeremy. <laughs> right, right, right. So you know, we 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 do a, quite a bit of account analytics and review. We have various software platforms that we leverage in order to do some of this research. Deposit I review, RDI evaluations and recommendations. As you know, I think both of you have seen some, an RDI. An RDI is a return deposit item that's negotiated by a client via mobile deposits or online or at a branch or banking center. Client phone calls and interviews, we spend a great deal of time on the phone talking with clients and trying to find out what it is that they were doing, what it is that they were thinking, who they were speaking to, whether they were acting at the behest or at the direction of others or whether or not they were attempting to negotiate something with knowledge that maybe it was fraudulent. We conduct a, a variety of fraud investigations related to that once we have that information. But our other time is spent with case filings, law enforcement, prosecutor's offices. We do a great deal of fraud and security training sessions, branch associates, community organizations. And we send things like warnings and alerts via email and through our, our, our various account systems to make sure that people are aware of what's going on out there. Check fraud, loan fraud, wire fraud, money laundering, card disputes, structuring, identity theft, and everything else you can think of. To be honest, we've just, we've never been busier. I should go off script and say, <laughs> I should say what keeps you up at night, Jeremy, but. <laughs> this podcast is only like 30 <laughs> minutes long. Right. <laughs> well, at least you're, you are a study and you're very resourceful and student of the game is an understatement for what you know. And I think people even call on you when they need help, even outside of the, our business. So I appreciate you. And you, I think that fraud landscape changes probably on a daily basis, right, Jeremy? And it seems like there's always some new scheme. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about some of the schemes that actually have names tied to them. In what ways do you see military members as more susceptible to all of those bad actors? Jody references bad actors. We, they're out there all the time. And how do you engage differently when it comes to the military side versus the civilian side, like the Academy Bank client base? What kind of engagement does that look like to try to squash that type of fraud when you help to uncover it? Sure. So, you know, active duty service members, even those who have, are veterans or have you know, retired or, or serve as part of a family, they are just disproportionately affected by these types of financial crimes just due to the transient nature of the military animal, right? They are bouncing from base to base. Could be that someone is reassigned somewhere else. And what they do is they just leave a string of addresses, home addresses. Yeah. Or maybe they were in the, you know, the training here, but they were over here and they got a credit card here. They opened up a bank account here or they leveraged something, you know, they turned on some sort of you know internet package here and maybe they turned on the water here and all of those accounts all of that information which requires that that we give of ourselves personal identifying information to these various agencies and organizations all of that stuff just sits there and all of that can be accessed by you know as Jody referred to them as bad actors which is something I, I'd probably say a thousand times a day 
I use other derogatory terms. <laughs> hey, this is a PG it's, podcast. It's, it's right. Yeah. Like so, PG-13 so, is a generally stretch. Speaking. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. just kind of depends. And I think it gets worse as the week goes on. So, you know. <laughs> We should have, we should have recorded this on a Friday. Right. On a Friday, <laughs> get a different interview. But, you know, it, it, we really do want to, you know, protect those that protect us. It, it sounds very cliche. It sounds very cringy sometimes when we say things like that, but we mean it. The largest fraud case I've worked in 20 years involved a military, a retired military service member who had gone into the private sector and he had invested $18 million into rebuilding an oil refinery in Lagos, Nigeria. And it wasn't until I was sitting at his kitchen table that he realized that this money was not coming back. Wow. Oh. It was a complex fraud scheme. He was instructed not to talk about it. They sent him quarterly earnings statements. I mean, he showed me all kinds of documentation and we eventually got in contact with the right people. And it, it, it really obviously changed his family tree, changed his family history, that amount of money for him. So. He had leveraged all of his assets into this investment and thought that his return was 100 plus times what he had invested, mm -hmm. which again, I think that the theme of, of any fraud scheme, right, is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. So when we, we're educating the community or we're out speaking at a public event or we're educating a client over the phone, just in a conversation, we always try to tell them, you know, at any point, did you think well, this doesn't sound right? You know, something in your instinct, you know, God gave us all a, a gut and instinct for a reason It's to protect ourselves and our loved ones. And if that, that internal fire alarm is going off, you need to trust that that's there for a reason that's happening for a reason. And you need to ask additional questions. What, what has changed about some of these fraud schemes is that the fraudsters or bad actors are instructing our clients to deceive us. They're saying that the bank will ask the following questions and you need to be prepared for them. You know, you can say that we've known each other for seven years or we used to be college roommates or that you're my fiance or that we're in business together and have done things like this in the past or, oh, I've sent dozens of wires at my other financial institutions. There's nothing to, you know, no, no concern with this one. I, I, you know, look the other direction. And so when, when, when our, associates or, or my team or a member of management is asking a client for this information, we're not being intrusive. Uh, a lot of times we're legally required to ask some of these questions, right? But the other time is we're, we're trying to look out for your best interest. We're trying to protect your assets as well as the banks. We don't want to be a party to a fraud scheme. We won't want to use your account We don't, you know, to carry out a, a wire fraud or a, a, a money mule scam, which is typically what happens. You have unsuspecting United States consumers who are conned into committing fraud using their legitimate bank accounts. And it results in not only losses for the client, but losses for the bank as well. It ultimately can re re result in account closure, charge offs, and, you know, loan losses and things like that. So when when we're asking you these questions, just know that the bank is doing so in your best interest. Be a key takeaway there. Well said. I'm, I'm going to be up tonight. He's starting to give me things to think about at three in the morning. Do you ever, do you ever feel like looking <laughs> over your shoulder? I do just, right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, you're not behind me. No, I'm not <laughs> looking over my shoulder. So with all of that sort of landscape being painted, if, if you were giving somebody military or civilian, quite honestly, advice on what do you do, what's kind of with like baseline, what should you do to protect yourself? What's that short list for you? So I, you know what? I wrote down that short list, but first on it would be to know that no one is going to protect you like you can. No one is going to look after your family the way that you should or can be doing. And so there's a lot of free resources. You know, there's, there's even like cable channels that are currently sponsored by different identity theft program and services and things like that. And we never advocate for any one service. We're not sponsored by any service. We're not in partnership with any service. But I do want United States consumers or, or military servicemen and women who may hear this to know that you're entitled to free credit reports each year mm -hmm. through annualcreditreport.com. You can go to the Federal Trade Commission website or ftc.com and you'll see links to these resources. Make sure that you're looking over those reports. You can sign up for free credit services like 
if credit karma is, is, is one, they may send you a credit, you know, to say, Hey, you may qualify for this loan or this credit card or something like that. But they will also let you know if, and when there's an inquiry on your credit, whether something has posted, be it negative, positive, they'll give you a score that's based on two of the three major creditors, not, not all three of them, but two are the major creditors. Typically their score is significantly higher than your actual score. Let's keep that in mind, but they do do a really good job of letting you know when there's negative information out there on your credit or new accounts on your credit. You need to regularly check your bank statements. You can sign up for online banking, sign up for e-statements, make sure that you're communicating with your creditors in your bank by tra- you know, placing travel alerts on cards and accounts. If you do think that you're going to be reassigned or you're moving from one base, one location to another, or maybe you're going to go overseas. Yesterday, I spoke with a, a client on Armed Forces Bank who's currently in Okinawa, never told us he was going to Okinawa. All of a sudden, we see debit card transactions related to yeah. Okinawa. And of course, our team took proper steps to you know, restrict that account until we could reach out to the client and verify that he was making those transactions. Now, obviously, that's not the best CX or customer experience there. You know, it frustrates our clients from time to time, but you know, we do those sort of things in order to protect the client to, yeah. and verify that they are who they are and that they did authorize those transactions. And in that, hey, Jeremy, Jeremy, yes. in, that, in that case, it's a 50 50 rule. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. Yes. Some, but sometimes in, in the best interest of our client, Making a bad decision like that and justifying it why he did it is probably the best part of the recovery process as you talk to that client to Absolutely. let him or her know why we did it. Absolutely. Yep. You know, ensuring that contact information is up to date. You know, either three of us handle cases where we're trying to get a hold of a client only to find out that, you know, the phone number on file isn't valid anymore or the, you know, email address that they use and and 2002, when it was AOL, is no longer valid for them. <laughs> MySpace. They, have, they haven't known that password for years, and and so that's you know that's one of those things. Make sure that you have something. If if there is a code word option for a bank account, a credit account, or whether you wherever you bank, we always like a, a code word that is unique to you that a fraudster or a bad actor couldn't guess. You know something outside of those normal questions like, you know, it shouldn't be a high school mascot or the name of your first dog or any any piece of information that someone could gather from you through either a social engineering effort or looking on your Facebook page. So by the way, Jeremy, if I said if I said boomer the bear, do you think that would be your code word? Yeah, yeah. So you know, Missouri State. Uh, Missouri boomer State. Put a, you might as well put a plug in for Missouri Thank State. Thank you. Thank you. It's a it's it's a fine school. That's where that's where my daughter is. So I'm sure that she will hear this one day. So Bailey, hello. We miss you. But she will she will hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be our second listener. So it'll be good. I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad. Thanks. You're so right. You were you, Tom. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Jeremy. I'm no, going to throw, no, so gonna, that's it. I mean, I'll throw it, these things in. No, I love that. So it, it really, the, the problem is with a lot of the reported fraud numbers, both both internally here at the bank, but also just looking at, at numbers here. I provided those IC3.gov numbers for you here at the, the opening of this session, but is that a majority of fraud goes unreported. People are embarrassed. The bank takes care of it. The creditor takes care of it. Or they, they say, okay, well, lesson learned. I'm not doing business with them again. Or lesson learned. Maybe that wasn't real love on that dating <laughs> app site. You know, maybe we're not meant to be together. And I just lost a couple thousand dollars. Those are all types of cases, which when we're dealing with fraud that happens on the cyber side, via online communication, via an account, an online banking takeover. I mean, you're communicating via text. Maybe it's a Zelle transaction. Maybe it's a cash app transaction or anything related to that. Those are the type of things that we want consumers to not only tell us, but also get onto ic3.gov and make that report. That is the best way to directly communicate to your local FBI office. So if you're in Seattle and you have an incident, you're going to be speaking to that FBI office there in Seattle, in Kansas City, Missouri. You're, you'll be speaking directly with someone who represents the FBI office here in Kansas City. So we do try to push that as much as we can. A lot of people are not reporting to us or they just re- don't report fraud in general. 
uh, until it is is out of hand when we could have helped them or assist them or walk them through steps to, to remediate that. That's an important clarification that it would be like if I had fraud happen to me, that it's it's my job perhaps to go report it to IC3.gov. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that. I think as as the world becomes more complex and sophisticated, Jeremy, there's there's a lot of apps and websites that people wouldn't necessarily think of as ones that might take that information and share it in in some dark universe. Yeah. But are there specific apps that that you're seeing consistently that are are more risky when it comes from an identity theft standpoint and even social media sites, online quizzes. I mean, we get phishing email experiments every, it feels like daily around here, yes. which is a good thing because we're protecting our assets and we're protecting our associates and, and that's and the integrity of it. And But there are some, certainly as more sites get built, more apps are available in the stores. What are some that you're seeing that are consistently, uh-oh, we better look out for that? Well, I wonder, I'll, talk, I'll talk first about the big four. Right. We know the yeah. big four to be Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and probably Instagram. Right. And so those are those are mainly what we see. Just in our experience, that's where we see a lot of fraud began. And normally it begins on the relationship side or the gathering of intelligence, gathering of that P2 information. It is amazing what you can see. You know, I I I tell the story about my team and and how one of our jobs is to look at a bank account statement and put together a story behind said statement, right? I can see what somebody's priorities are. I can see if they're traveling. I can see what they purchase. I can put together a story or a profile for a person to understand what is unique behavior and what is normal behavior, right? Mm -hmm. That's normal. You can do the same thing when you're looking at somebody's profile on these social media. You can see when, when somebody is traveling, you can see what their dog's name is you can see when their date of birth is you can see where they went to high school and what year they graduated based on who they're tagging and oh i'm back for my 25th reunion or it's my 30th reunion and and oh by the way i'm posing in front of the high school and you know you can learn things <laughs> here's like, my social security I, number right <laughs> right and i love you know the the people who post on vacation hey I took the family to hawaii we're so excited to be here me on the fraud side i'm thinking well you just greenlit Everybody that you think you know <laughs> to know that your house is empty right now, right. <laughs> and that they can just head on over and, and not even need to knock on the door. So, you know, all of those things we we see a, a lot like that. I I would like to share with you one recent case study that really kind of shook us here. It involved it involved excuse me a AFB client been with us for quite some time. This is a husband and wife. They have a daughter who is currently in college. Again, this one hit really close to home. In the middle of the night, they received a call from this daughter on her caller ID on her cell phone. It, it appeared that it was the daughter's phone number. It specifically said the daughter's name and said, hey, mom, it's so-and-so. I got in a bit of trouble. I need you to wire money to, to bail me out of jail. And, and, and the wire was actually going to what the fraudster said was a friend of a friend who was going to get them out of jail, basically in, a, in another state and city than where she actually was in jail. So figure that out. Uh, long story short, the wife hands the phone to the dad and talks to the daughter for a short time. And and they say, okay, all right, we'll, we'll find some way to get you this money. I'm in the car. I'm on the way. Hang tight. We'll be here. And mom and dad, you can't call me back. This is my one phone call. They let me use my phone because I didn't know your number by heart. You know, so, hey, you can't call me back, but here's where I am. Please send the money to X or you'll receive a text that tells you where to send this money. And that's exactly what happened in this case. And so they they went outside of our organization and sent a great deal of money to the friend of a friend who was supposed to bail their daughter out of jail. And, and this isn't some fictitious story. I want you to know that just took place a month and a half ago. So it, it is, it, it's very significant. So we're, we're talking about a, a little under $10,000 that they sent. The, the next morning, they still hadn't heard from their daughter. And so they decided to go to the local police department. Local police department said, well, have you tried to call her? Oh, you know, she wasn't answering her phone, but, you know, she, she could be sleeping or like, they're taking her phone. And long story short, she was sleeping. And she wasn't answering her phone. But when she did answer her phone, she said, I never called you guys. Yeah. You weren't talking to me last night. 
And both the husband and the wife swore to me that that was their daughter on their phone. That's crazy. And so over the course of the investigation, here's what we learned. The daughter is an avid TikToker and regularly speaks and sings on TikTok. Uh, and what uh, we surmise happened, and this is based on our, our participation in the law enforcement case, is that you know through AI voice cloning technology, they were able to put together a voice profile for their daughter, which was good enough to fool mom and dad. And I, I just I couldn't imagine a world where this is a possibility, but here we are. That Absolutely same story is, happened to my mom with my niece, and it was a, you walked through exactly what that was, the voice yes. cloning. Not that I even knew that voice cloning was a thing back then, but luckily a retail establishment employee thought highly enough of what was going on to take the appropriate steps and protected my mom. So, yeah, I think we as bankers are only as good as what we do and say and how we follow up with our clients. But, you know, we were very fortunate that my mom wasn't, was not schnookered. Like it's so yeah. easily done, especially when family's involved, you're right. going to do like whatever it takes. Calls you in the middle of the night. And you're going to jump through yeah. hoops to take care of him yeah. or her. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's always a, always a sense of urgency with, with fraud cases, right? That's a, that's a key indicator of that potential fraud. If someone is, is really pushing you or putting you in a, in a pressure position where you feel like you're, you need to take action either to get the most ROI or to get somebody out of jail or to ensure yeah. you're not going to be arrested. There's, there's quite a bit of people calling and pretending to be people like the FBI or the IRS and saying, hey, look, you, you owe back taxes. If you don't pay X number of dollars, here's what's going to happen. You guys may remember cases involving Fort Benning and Hachuca just last year, 2022. Military servicemen and women there were reporting that they were receiving calls from someone who had something to do with their military pay and benefits. And in order for them to release their military pay and benefits, they had to pay a fee. And they collected over $44,000 from six or seven people before it was reported to base security forces, at least on the Benning side. So again, there was what they found out through investigation was that was hundreds and hundreds of, of different servicemen and women that had fall victim to the same scheme. And all went back to a, a list that was compromised uh, several years ago. Jeez. Just makes you think like people sitting around coming up with it. With yeah, I know. I, if wow. only they got a real job. Yeah. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I would be out of a job. <laughs> yeah, true. It's job security, Jeremy. Yeah. So uh, you brought up Facebook too. So people should not be taking the tell me your top 10 something something quizzes. <laughs> Right. All, yeah. all of that is great, right? Oh, oh, you know, who was your first boyfriend or who was yes. the love of your life? Yes, or, and then post your results for everybody to see. Yes. Yeah, all of those, you know, those questions that we use for verification, which we change constantly for this reason, like your your first, your favorite pet, your favorite sports team. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> I could change next week. And I, you're going to see that on my Facebook profile just by looking at it. this guy goes to Chiefs game. This guy likes the Chiefs probably going to be my favorite team, right? So you put two and two together and then you you social engineer through a phone call or two pretending to be somebody that you're not to gather the rest. Isn't it funny that one of those questions is never, which is your favorite child? Yeah, we all have one. <laughs> the divorce rate is higher than it's supposed to be anyway. Yeah. So we, t we, uh, we talked a little bit about the AI vo voice cloning and that story really kind of weirds me out a little bit. But there are also some other serious scams happening. You mentioned, I think, earlier in this episode, talking about online dating apps and right. things, crazy things that can happen there or foreign hosted online communities that Tom tells me about, like Telegram like, and Wicker. Wicker. Yeah. I knew it was a scam because they forgot to say, I don't e know what it. the Wicker yeah. is. But <laughs> anything you'd share on things like that that somebody like me isn't even really very familiar with? Yeah, so when we, when we talk about things like, you know, Wicker and, and Telegram. These are these are communities that are hosted overseas, or, or you know they're they're beyond the subpoena powers of, of law enforcement in many cases. So what we have is is a collective where you know people can go on there and and connect with people and communicate with people and use it as it's supposed to be used. But they can also buy and sell illegal goods and services. Right. And goods may be a, a, a list of compromised credit cards. It could be a list of 
stolen checks. It could be a list of personal identifying information belonging to someone. And so we see that we, we, you know, we monitor some of these sites and pay attention to any time words like Armed Forces Bank or Academy Bank is brought up. You know, we have little indicators that tell us, hey, they're talking about something related to our institution. Potentially, we should pay attention to it. But that foreign hosting of those service providers is, is, is the scary part because we really don't have any oversight as to who's collecting that information on the back end and where that information is being sold. As it relates to, to dating apps in particular, just, just this year, we worked a case with a, an airman who had been, he, he had been with probably, probably eight, eight or nine years, just is probably where he was just based on his rank, if I was guessing. But he had, we had noticed some cash app activity on his account that was escalated to the financial intelligence unit. We reached out to the client to ask him what was going on to verify the activity. And, and we, we had a sense that he wasn't being entirely honest with us. And Tom, I know that you've been in the room where we have these type of conversations. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a way to talk to somebody to kind of get that information out of them. And, and we, we talked with him in a way that said, Hey, look, we're here to help you. Let us help you. Let us just try to figure this out with you and see what we can do to try to get some of this money back for you. And so he eventually came, came up with a story, which we were able to validate that he had met somebody on a dating app and they eventually end up talking via Facebook messenger outside of the dating app. And they sent each other inappropriate pictures, you know, pictures that you wouldn't want mom or dad to see. You wouldn't want your family member to see, your pastor to see, or are your friends and family there on Facebook? And and they had shared these pictures back and forth. And and what had happened is the relationship turned sour with with the intent of the bad actor or the fraudster, the person he was communicating with, which was a beautiful young lady. I, I, he thought he he was in love. This was it for him. They couldn't wait to get out so that he could be with her. And she said, you are going to cash at me X number of dollars over the next couple of days, or I'm going to release these pictures on your Facebook. I'm going to tag all of your friends. And so he did exactly what he was told. And at that point, he was so embarrassed by what had happened that he didn't want to share it with anyone. He didn't want to tell the bank what was happening. He felt like he was just really stuck. And the, the case I'm talking about, it's referred to as sexploitation, where you, you almost blackmail someone or put them in a position where, hey, I'm going to share this information. I'm going to share our communication, whether it be pictures or inappropriate words. I'm going to share this unless you do the following. And that's exactly what she did to him. And, and so long story short, we eventually encouraged him to talk to his commanding officer about what was going on. And that's something on the military side, I think, that is important that we mention. Being complicit in a fraud scheme, just the participation can put you in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. can get you in trouble from a military standpoint, from a, from a corrective action standpoint, from a hearing standpoint. So we have, we have seen cases like that result in, well, as you know, Tom, we've seen fraud cases result in military servicemen and women no longer being part of the military. Correct. It can also affect, you know, your ability as a military serviceman and women to advance, right? If you have bad credit, which is often a prerequisite or something that they consider, if you have bad credit related to some sort of fraud that you weren't paying attention to or something on your credit that you weren't paying attention to, that may affect things like security clearance, which is mm-hmm. something that they look at. And so that is that is why it is so important that you stay on top of things like this and check those credit reports and making sure you're looking out for you. I hope I answered your question there, Jenny. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Okay. You know, it is time for a shameless plug, though, for, you know, with (laughs) Armed Forces Bank and Academy Bank having this new product out there, right? The Select Rewards. Mm -hmm. We don't do this typically, Jeremy, in a podcast episode, but knowing how appropriate it is that with this type of rewards checking account that has, Jody, a plethora of features and benefits, but in particular, it's features about credit monitoring, identity monitoring, dark web monitoring, but it allows our clients to, what you said earlier in the podcast, Jeremy, is to, you, you know what you do based on who you are and, what, and, and, and you're, you're your best decider about what goes right. on in your life. And you might as well take control of it and take the appropriate steps and actions to protect yourself. And 
I could plug a lot of other financial institutions that offer products just like this. So no bias towards no bias but towards us, but yeah, you should come to either one www.afbank.com or academybank.com. <laughs> but find find something that gives you peace of mind and gives you comfort and security at night too. And that's you can proactively find solutions out there if you if you take the right steps. Right. And and I would say on top of that, and and you're you're spot on there. You know, talk to your financial institution, whether it's us or not. They should be there to advise you and guide you and provide you at least, you know, at least point you in the right direction or, or at least hand you the right resources or get you to the right place where you can make an educated choice about what you need to do next, whether it be fraud or, or an investment. And we, we always do this when we, when we speak to the community is, is we say, hey, whether or not you bank at Armed Forces Bank, our department is open to the public. So if you have questions or concerns or anything that you are you want to run by us or have a conversation with us about or just hey this sounds to be good too good to be true don't you agree <laughs> yes, you know or yes. hey I'm selling this on the internet and here I'm selling I just sold this football on the internet they sent me a thousand dollars the football's only worth thirty dollars I have to send them the rest that sounds legit right no yeah. sir it doesn't sound legit right <laughs> so. So it, again, I don't know what information you 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 offer to people, but we always put that out there to say, hey, whether you bank with us or not, you look to us as a resource. Yeah. If we're on your base, come by and see us, have a conversation with us about some of the stuff that we do have going on. You can also go to the Academy Armed Forces Bank website and put right in the search bar, fraud. You can put fraud right there and it'll pull up you know, three or four resources that tell you, hey, this is where you can go get a free credit report. This is the number to call to get that credit report. Uh, know that when you're calling these credit re- these creditors that they're legally obligated to contact the others if you're going to place an initial alert or extended alert because your wallet's been stolen or, or something happened online. Just know that you only need to call one of them. I like to call Experian and then Experian would then be legally obligated to also notify Equifax and TransUnion. So- and, and you know, you're, you're doing a great job. You've been in this role, I think, since the first of the year, Jeremy, in this yeah, I mean, you've been doing this business for a long time, but I think just in the short period of time, I applaud you, your team, the efforts, your commitment to this business, and even the we talk about a newsletter that you put together to educate your our entire company, all nearly eight hundred associates that work here, that you feel like it's your calling to do that. But are there other things that we as banks do when it comes to educating clients? You talked about resources on our website. But what else do you see as resources, credible resources, where people can find out more about these issues and these scams and these risks? Yeah, so I would we we always try to push people to websites that we've actually you know vetted and checked out. These are government websites; they provide real guidance. You don't have to read through a bunch of nonsense in order to get to the. I need steps. If 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 you guys are like me and something happens in my life, I want step-by-step instructions on how to map myself out right. of that. And I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty good at mapping myself out, but I do want clear, concise instructions. Do this, contact this, travel here, tell so-and-so, restrict this, shut this down, close that. Those are the type of things that we would, uh, that we really, why we advocate for things like ic3.gov, fdc.gov. All of these, all of these websites are, are very, very good. But the other, the other part that, that I think banks can do a better job of, at least in my experience, is, is going out and speaking at community events Agreed. without a sales pitch. Yep. You know, this is what, this is why, you know, I think that your guys' podcast is so important is that you're, you, you know, we, we joke about a sales pitch, but we really don't make a sales pitch. We are here to educate you and you can either come bank with us or not. We are going to treat you the same. We're going to mm-hmm. treat you like a human. We are going to honor the service you provided to the company and to the country. And, and so it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if we can speak at a community event or you'd like us to come talk to your group, maybe it's on base, maybe it's off base, whatever that, whatever that looks like for you, just know that there's a banker in that area that is, that is willing to do that willing to have that conversation, whether it leads to a sale or not, whether it leads to account opening or in, in Jody's world, whether it leads to a, a giant loan or, or anything like that, right? We are, we are here as a resource for you to protect the thing you love the most, which is your financial means to take care of your family. 
And in a lot of cases, your identity and your character. And That's those right. almost go right with the money side of it if there's a compromise in your life. Yeah. That's true. Well, I, I think we have a little bit of time left, Jeremy, and I don't want to keep you longer than we promised. But, you know, so there's some other things that, that a couple of these I've heard of. One, Tom may or may not have made up. That's part of this question. Oh, this quote-unquote thing that's coming <laughs> this, up? Yeah, It's in quotes, this, so, you know, discount yeah. it by the I've fact I've been that, waiting all day for this. I, I know. So, and, and I'm afraid to ask it because I don't know what it is. I know. <laughs> You're going to get me in hot that's water That's why here. I gave it to you. So, yeah. things I do understand. Card skimming devices, mail theft, and quote-unquote jugging incidents. Sure. But, so, let me just... <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Just dead sure. Yeah. sure. I know all about it. Yes. yes. Sure. Yeah. So, jugging is something that is is kind of on the rise just across the nation. And, and what that is, that's the targeting of people using ATM machines, cash dispensing machines. So, they're, they're you know, literally bad actors, you know, dirtbags, fraudsters, <laughs> criminals. Now, are, there it is. Yeah. There now, it is. we got there. And it's Tuesday. We're, we're almost yeah. to a Friday. Friday is going to be spectacular yeah. is what right. I just learned. <laughs> so, you know, they're sitting and they're watching somebody use the ATM, maybe in the drive up or maybe it's a walk-up machine, maybe it's in a gas station, or maybe it sits in a parking lot by itself. It is important that, you know, just situational awareness, whether you're on base or not, it does not matter. Crimes take place on bases. That's why they have security forces on every single base. But mm -hmm. what jugging is, is they are, they are, you know, immediately going after those folks and getting those funds. So it's, it's very difficult for a victim to say, I don't have any cash on me when they just watch you get it out. So again, that is what jugging is. It's actually taking place right here in, in Leavenworth, Kansas, unfortunately, it was an incident just a few weeks ago. As far as EMB cards, card skimming, things like that. So skimming is, is the taking of the data embedded within the mag stripe on the back of your credit or debit card, right? Skimming's been around for decades, ever since cards have come around, there's been skimming devices out there looking to collect that data. They then use that data and, and, you know, they try various transactions just to try to see if that card is valid, see if it works. And then they, you know, typically will do a debit online, do a large transfer, use that card, create a fictitious card or a counterfeit card, code that max strike data, and then go to Walgreens or CVS or Walmart and buy a bunch of gift cards, which they turn around and sell online for a discount. Mm -hmm. Since the introduction of EMV chip cards, People thought that we would see a reduction in fraud numbers. And there was some reduction, but skimming is still kind of just leveled. It's still taking place at the rate it was. As long as we have mag stripes on the back of our card products, on the back of our plastics, we will have skimming. So just know that that exists. So when, when you approach that gas pump, you want to make sure that that card, you know, insert that it doesn't jiggle. You want to look for the tape okay. on the pump that says it hasn't been, you know, messed with or opened since such and such date. You want to look at the keypad, look for possible holes where there may be a pinhole camera attached to a skimming device. So not only are they getting your encoded backstripe data, but they're also recording the pin number associated with, with it. In Overland Park, there was a case just here recently where skimmer was taken off of a gas pump and only to find out that that skimmer was Bluetooth capable. And so what that means is the fraudsters years ago would have to return to collect the skimmer because it had a local, local yeah. hard drive, lo local storage drive. Now they just need to drive within a Bluetooth range, remotely download the data, and they're off. They never have to return to that pump. Mm is very scary. From a law enforcement standpoint, you would typically, if you had a device that you knew was compromised, you kind of block that machine off or set it to the side or, or say, you know what, let's just watch this machine and not allow anybody to use it only for somebody to show up in the middle of the night, and try to pull that skimming device on there, off there so that they can collect that data. That is not something that they need to do anymore with Bluetooth capability or even cellular functionality. But, but gas pumps, I've always known that to be the number one Mm -hmm. Is that the destination where these skimming devices are, or are they going beyond the gas pumps? No, no. You know, you see them at self-checkout stands at your yeah. larger retailers. You you can even see them at your local fairgrounds when someone asks you to swipe their card. You know, just know that 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 data could be that data could be compromised. And 
as we're talking about data, depending on how much we have, when we talk about data being compromised or, or P2 information being compromised, something I always share with communities to say, how did this breach happen? Well, I can't think of a single government entity that hasn't had some sort of data breach, right. hasn't had some sort of cyber attack, hasn't been the victim of ransomware like what we're seeing in Las Vegas or what we're seeing in Pittsburgh, Kansas. They're the city of Pittsburgh, Kansas was subject to a ransomware attack. The PlayStation Network today is reporting you know, potential wow. ransomware attacks. So these things happen and that's how data can get breached. In 2015, there was a very large breach I think of military data, 20 million different user accounts. And that was, someone's going to have to help me out with what that was, but that was, you know. I hope he's not talking to us. Do you have anybody else in the room with you, Jeremy? Is there somebody behind you? like a phone a friend. That was not us. I'm like, somebody somebody knows. It's it. It's, it's, you know, so that's the way that happens. But on, on a very local level, know that when the local dentist office, let's just say you, you have a local dentist and they're getting ready to retire. One of the things that they want to do is they want to find somebody to take over their practice. I like this example, because it's real life. What that dentist does is they start liquidating their assets, right? They're selling off their asset. Well, one of their biggest assets in their portfolio is going to, of course, be the client list. Yep. And it is perfectly, perfectly legal in most states for them to sell that client list to the highest bidder. Whether that person becomes that dentist and takes over that practice or not, I've now acquired that list. And guess what? That list may contain personal identifying information unique to you. And you never authorized the buying or selling of said data. By the way, does it matter dip reader or card capture? Is there any, is it from a consumer standpoint? No, no, it, it, it really doesn't. When, when we're seeing them though, Tom, we're seeing them on the traditional card readers where you're swiping your card, not, you're not necessarily inserting. Okay. We're not seeing it when someone is just presenting a card to be scanned at a reader. You know, we're just we're just not seeing that at the level uh, that we are. We did see a pinhole recently that was cut in to a card scanner that was creating pin, you know, was collecting pin data that was being entered below, but really they're they're looking for that that skimmed magstripe data. So I've got a, like a list of things from the last 45 minutes that I can't do anymore. I know. And we're you just going to stay and here. Now I, we'll call our families. I don't like we'll self-checkout. Now I have a valid reason why, because that's where <laughs> skimming happens, apparently. Yeah. But I, by the way, you have to tell our audience, what is your favorite streaming show related to this? Is it Trafficked on Netflix? Is it the, the Tinder Swindler? What is it? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> you told me your favorite one time, but I can't remember what the name of it was. You know, it was, I think at one point it was the most hated man on the internet. That was it. I saw yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was, that was, that was a, a sexploitation case where, you know, I think he had a website called, are you still up or are you up? And you're, you're right. I saw it in the last six months. Yep. And like a revenge pornography type of thing where you could okay. post, you know, some inappropriate material that we won't get into. Yes, this is a, this <laughs> a family family friendly <laughs> podcast. Kids in the car. Kids in the I car. blame Tom it's for the now question. R. Yeah, we went from PG. Yes, I'm gonna go ahead and let you segue. And, and by the way, Philip Cummings does that does that name ring a bell? Uh, no, I don't know that it does. Should it? Stole thirty three thousand identities back in two thousand four. The most famous ID theft case, and I didn't know about it, but. So of course, everything famous. everything you read on the internet's true anyway. So yeah, I, you know the name doesn't. I, I just feel like there's been so much, so much worse than that. I mean, we're talking twenty I know. million. You know, uh, you know, PlayStation is compromised, and that I just can't even imagine all of mom and dad's credit cards they're sitting out on kids' profiles. I still think Catch Me If You Can is the best movie ever about movie. this, right? No, no doubt. Yeah. yeah, Frank Agnell. He's if you haven't if you haven't read his book, and there's a plug for his book. So it's the, the movie doesn't quite cover everything that he did. And he's, but he's putting his bad, he, he, he was a bad actor, but he's putting it to good use now, right? Yes, he yeah. is. He's, he's worked with the FBI and, and, and law enforcement at, at various levels. I, I think he's kind of stepped away from it now, kind of retired and is just doing special speaking engagements. But yeah, what a, a, a crazy story. But just know that that type of check fraud, that type of forgery, that those type of counterfeit checks, which he was so good at, that's still something that happens today. I know. And, and yet the younger generation says, what's a check? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to fill one out. Pull this out. Yes. <laughs> that's right. 
Well, I, I fear, Jeremy, we may have overstayed our welcome, but I'm going to ask you to stay for just a couple minutes more so that we can play Is it the time? military minute. Yes. 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 <laughs> so I don't know if you're a fan of the military minute, Jeremy, but I know Tom rather likes it. <laughs> Last week's episode, we had somebody that had a psychology background right. on. So, so I went there. So you went there. Psych 101 here. What are the five motivations on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? And so, we, we have to say on the pyramid, though, on, right? On, it's what? on the pyramid of Maslow. On the pyramid of I It's mean, that little triangle thing. You know, it's kind of like our five-year plan, right? Okay, so it's on the pyramid of All Maslow's right. hierarchy of needs. Happy now. Should we get, should we see if Jeremy knows the answer, or does he? Oh, he doesn't care at this point, right? I, mm. He's he's so into acronyms from security and risk and fraud. That's a lot to I, have to know. I know. I, I, I gotta think. I gotta think. Pleasure is on there. Yeah. No, you know? you're wrong. But, gotta, they no, gotta, but kind of. <laughs> right. Well, so but I'm gonna go ahead. Just and read the answer. Read the answer. Yes. Yeah. So if you answered physiological needs, safety needs, love and belonging. Right. Esteem and self-actualization. That's the pinnacle, right, Jeremy? You get to that self-actualization at the top of so the pyramid. If you answered yeah. all of that, I mean, had to be completely correct, watch for your name to be posted as the winner of a $50 gift card for you and $50 for a charity of your choice. And this week's Military Minute, we're going to give out all of Jeremy's information he, he wants a redo because he gave up too much information. So we have oh, been trolling all of your social media. And while you read, could you stand in a tree stand or sit in a tree a stand? Du while duck you're, blind. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go duck blind too. I don't even yeah. know what that is. It sounds terrible. Uh, it's a two-part question. So again, we're kind of piling on here with what they need to know. But because Jeremy likes golf. And he already self-disclosed the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's not like we're mm -hmm. spilling the beans So this here is our first two-part question, though. It's a two-parter. Yeah. And they really have nothing to do with one another. So which former U.S. president <laughs> was elected to the Golf Hall of Fame in 2011? Don't answer, Jeremy. And totally unrelated part two, what was the original name of the Kansas City Chiefs? You got to get both right. And you, you do. post both answers in the same comment, preferably, when our podcast drops. And if you are correct, you will also be entered to win $50 for you and $50 for a charity of your choice. Jeremy, if you enjoyed today's episode as much as Jody and I did, <laughs> go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show and make sure you rate us. Leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I knew we'd have fun with Jeremy. And I'm, yes. And Jeremy, you've been a good sport and you've been... He's thinking, what did I get myself no, into? No, but the information no, yeah, he shared... Right. Your information has been awesome, and I think if we if we ever do a podcast, a second podcast with you, I'm sure we'll need people to to decide whether or not they want to have a second one with us. But Jeremy's got so much information, and certainly we don't want to give out your contact information. But <laughs> I'm telling you, from a resource standpoint, they can call me all day long, and I'll I'll give you Jeremy's information because he's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Appreciate you both. Appreciate the opportunity to speak. Yes, and so when I'm up at 3 a.m. tonight thinking about all this stuff, <laughs> you better turn your notification dinger off on your email, buddy, because I'm coming for you with my questions. Did it our way. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. All right, Jeremy. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.